0: Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community.
1: Good morning and happy Sunday, everybody. Whenever I do public speaking, I am sure to get in all of my water because that all that talking. Um, Yeah, if this is your first Sunday here, welcome. Um, I would like to just say I have some special guests here today. My mama who um, very faithfully attends my childhood church actually did not go to her church this Sunday so that she could be here today. And um, I have Veronica here, who is my mentor Um, when I was a girl. And I felt invisible and unlovable. Veronica was the person who always saw me. And she always loved me unconditionally. And every time that I've considered how I want to be with children, I think of Veronica and how I want to be a Veronica. Um, And I love that that is God's invitation to all of us, that we all get to be a Veronica to somebody, and we all need a Veronica. Um, And yeah, we're going to just dive in, because we have a whole lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about discernment. And when Ryan asked me what I thought about a series on discernment, I was really excited about it. And not because I'm good at it, because I'm not. And not because I had any idea about what I wanted to talk about, because I didn't. But it was because I wanted to learn alongside all of you. And so as I share today, I want you to know that this is coming from a place of learning. I am a student. I am not an expert on discernment. Um, But I love what C.S. Lewis said, that Even only the will to walk is there. God is pleased even with our stumbles. And so as we walk in discernment, as we sometimes get it wrong, God delights in all of it because he sees that desire to follow him. Oh, I meant, here's my ADD, y'all. You get to see it, right center stage. I meant to get that clicker thing, and I didn't. Can you guys do the slide thing? Okay. Oh, it's the verse, Romans 12, 2. I think it's on there. Maybe it's not, which is fine, because I know it. In Romans 12:2, it says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. But what does that look like? how do we know the will of God when his ways are not our ways his thoughts are so far beyond ours and that is where discernment comes in when we go to those crossroads and both sides seem so god-kissed that we don't know which way to turn or worse when they both seem so terrible that we feel sick to our stomach and paralyzed with fear and decide in fear our natural reaction is to want to fight or flight or freeze. But God asks something different of us. He asks us to go gingerly, not running full speed ahead, but not stuck or stagnant either. He asks us to go one step at a time, considering now here, Lord, now here, and waiting for his response every step of the way. It's where we listen to that still small voice that tells us which way to go and what to do. But what are we talking about when we talk about discernment? It's one of those really big words. So before we talk about discernment in the Bible, I want to talk a little bit about what discernment is and what it is not. Can I get that slide? So first, discernment is not decision making. Henry Nouwen says this, reaching a decision can be straightforward. We consider our goals and options. Maybe we list the pros and cons of each possible choice. And then we choose the action that meets our goal most effectively. However, discernment is, can I get that next one? It is aligning ourselves with God's will above all else. Discernment, Henry Nowen continues, is about listening and responding to that place within us where our deepest desires align with God's desires. As discerning people, we sift through our impulses, motives, and options to discover which one leads us closer to divine love and compassion for ourselves and other people, and which one leads us further away. Also, discernment is not the same as can I get that next one? A developed moral compass. It's easy to know his will when there's clear parameters around it. For instance, I am not going to ask the Lord for discernment on whether I should buy the items in my shopping cart or purchase them because he's made it very clear that we are supposed to live above reproach and in integrity. So where matters are already clear, Uh, courage, conviction, and integrity are necessary, but we don't truly need discernment in those moments. Rather, discernment is more like determining, can I get the next one? It's asking what is good and what is best. C.H. Spurgeon said, it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Discernment in the Bible, hold on, was used to determine If teachings were false but ultimately its purpose was to divine if the teachings were truly God inspired and Philippians 4 8 is the most beautiful litmus test for that because we can ask is it true is it noble is it right is it pure is it lovely Is it admirable? These are the characteristics of God, and as we are aligning our will to His, we see those things in our decisions as well, and they help us get clarity when we are otherwise unsure on how to proceed. Also, the next slide. Discernment is not intended to be weaponized. It's not meant as a way to win an argument, or fault find, or criticize. Discernment is never intended to entail harm to ourselves or other people. My very sage brother-in-law told me once that the sword of truth is intended for pointing and not for stabbing. Truth is always steeped in generosity and kindness and love. And the same thing is true for discernment. So instead, discernment, the next slide, It's meant for good and it looks for good. It's spiritual work and practice. It's slow and patient and kind. It's thoughtful. And when we look towards our teacher, Jesus, discernment always leans towards concrete expressions of love with real people rather than conversations about theology. If we're looking at any human being as a problem that we have to discern what to do with, we're doing it wrong. And finally, the last one. This is just me. I don't believe that discernment is teachable. There is not a five step process or formula that if you follow it, it's going to promise that it's going to get you to that irrefutable right decision. It's it's a mystical, mysterious thing. It's a gift from the spirit. And it's called practicing discernment for a reason because we're not ever going to be experts at it. I think of the disciples. They had followed Jesus for three years and they saw his ways, but then after he ascended into heaven and they were trying to figure out who they were going to get to join the other 11 apostles, they did not know which way to go. So they had to draw lots. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that they were able to really discern what God was having them do. And although I don't believe that discernment is teachable, I do believe that God has given us every single tool we need to practice it access to mentors, teachers, scriptures, and he's given us direct and constant access to the Holy spirit, which lives and breathes and moves inside each one of us. I also believe that if you seek discernment, you will find it. If you knock on its door, it's going to be open to you. If you ask, he's going to give you discernment because that's just kind of the God we have. He wants to give us the good things. He does not want to give us anything that is going to cause us to stumble or to harm us. So in the Gospel of John, it talks about this group of holy people who were so um, certain that they knew what was righteous and holy they missed a chance to see God doing work in their own midst they wanted to ask what if this is not God and people believe it is and they forgot to ask "Well, what if this is God and I miss a chance to see him so if you have your Bibles you can turn with me to John 9 we have it up here too It says, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked us, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I'm in the world. I am the light of the world. So I love that this starts off with Jesus doing what Jesus does best. He sees the people that other people don't see. And his disciples noticed Jesus seeing that person. And they're so darling and sometimes dense that they asked a theological question instead of considering this man's humanity and having compassion on him. And I get that. Because I do that too sometimes when tragedy strikes, my first inclination is to want to figure out what went, hap- what went wrong so I can avoid that same fault, fate. And I believe that's kind of what the disciples were doing in this moment. What happened to this guy so I can make sure that does not happen to me? But Jesus says to them, you're asking the wrong question here. And then it goes on to say, after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes." I just want to pause here to say that this is weird. (laughs) This is the part of the story when I tell it to the kids that they get squirmy and they giggle and they might not pay attention to any other part of the story because Jesus just spits in some dirt, rubs it around with his hand and then smears it on a guy's eyes. And I think we need to just make peace with the fact that sometimes the Bible is weird. It's not always going to make complete sense. And I think that's okay. And so I don't want to try to explain this or give you a reason why Jesus decided to do this. But I do have a couple thoughts about this. First, Jesus did this. On a Sabbath day and so when he spit into that mud or that dirt and he worked it into mud he was using those same kind of hand gestures that a person would be using when they were making bread and the making of bread was prohibited on a day of rest and so Jesus was breaking that law of keeping Sabbath also I think it's really interesting to note that Jesus never heals people in the same way twice sometimes They ask for healing. Sometimes he asks if they would like to be healed. Sometimes he just does it without them asking. Sometimes he speaks and a person is healed. Sometimes he touches and they're healed. In one case, a woman came to him and touched him and she was healed. And in this case, Jesus smears some dirt and spit on a guy's eyes and he is healed. But as we're looking at discernment, I think it's also important to remember that just because God has done things historically one way doesn't mean that he's going to do that in the same way in the future. He's always doing a new thing. He's always surprising us. Um, And then finally, uh, what's the other thing? There is something else. mud yes as i read this story this week i was thinking of another time when god used dirt and his mouth to make life in genesis it says that god spoke and the world was created everything came into being but he did something different when he created humanity when he created humanity, he used his hands and the dirt. He worked up a form and then he breathed that life into them. He used his mouth and like a God kiss, breathed life into them. And I think of Jesus kind of doing that exact same thing here, working that dirt and that God spit into something that was going to bring new life. So as we continue, um, Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and this word means scent. And so the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Next slide. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And I can relate to this part too. I can relate to the neighbors because how often do I want to stick with my version of reality? Even after I've been given another new version of reality, I want to retreat to the things that I thought I knew rather than to consider something new and different. And so I manipulate myself with logic and reason instead of digging in and asking more questions and truly asking God, what is it that you are doing here? And so how were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man that they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes and told me to go wash in Siloam and washed. And so I went and washed. And then I could see, where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. He did not even get to see Jesus in that moment. This guy went and had sight but missed the chance to see Jesus. What would that have been like? And so they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. So they're still looking for confirmation. What is going on here? How is this possible? Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. And so again, they turned to the blind man, which, by the way, I wonder how this dude would feel about having his entire identity just whittled down to the fact that he couldn't see even after the case that that was no longer the, the fact, but I, I digress. Um, what would you have to say about him? How were your eyes opened? And the man replied, he is a prophet. So notice that here, this guy just upgraded Jesus. First, he called him a man called Jesus, and now he's calling him a prophet. This guy is using discernment. He's asking and considering, is the healing in that moment on a day of Sabbath when no work should have occurred, still noble, true, admirable, lovely, pure? And it was all of those things. It was well with his soul. This was somebody from God. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents did this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who were already deciding that anyone who had acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And that is why his parents said, ask him. He's of age. So two things here. First, a really ugly confession. I get these parents because I have been these parents. I've sat silent on matters because I was afraid to lose community too. And I can see why these parents were hesitant to say things. The commu- their, their church community would have been their whole life, and they had already spent so much of their life on the outskirts, having their neighbors look at them askance, wondering who was the sinner who made this, this, their son blind? And they didn't want to lose anymore, so they kept silent. When we're looking at discernment, It is vital to remember that discernment always leads to clarity and to action. Those parents chose inaction when they should have used action. They remained silent when they should have used their voice. May we all be given the courage to call upon the Lord, to wait for his answer, and to respond accordingly. And second... Notice that these Pharisees were not asking questions for understanding. They already made up their mind. They were looking for answers that would already confirm what they already believed. And anything other than that would have the people kicked out and excommunicated from the temple. How many times have we done the exact same thing? Our phones and social media create this carefully curated echo chamber that just confirms our own beliefs until at some point we don't even know that there is another way of thinking. And to avoid that kind of echo chamber in our prayers, there is the most beautiful and dangerous prayer called the prayer of indifference. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed when he was in the garden. And he said, if you're willing that this cup might pass, but not my will, yours be done. It's the prayer that Mary, the mama of Jesus, prayed when an angel came to her and she said, I am a servant of the Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is not a prayer of apathy. This is a prayer of fully considering the cost and then saying, have your way, Lord. I trust that you are good. It's a way of acknowledging our bias, our deepest desires and our motivations, and then saying, but I will follow you, Lord even if you lead me away from where I want to go. I don't know of a prayer as vulnerable and full of surrender as the prayer yes and amen. Yes, God, do what you want. Yes, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will go because I trust you. The process of discernment is only as good as our ability to walk towards holding our thoughts and plans with an open hand, or at least being honest with ourselves about the attachments that we want to hold tight to. Otherwise, the process of discernment becomes nothing more than just a rigged election. The Pharisees questioned the guy again one more time. And this guy had moxie. Um, A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I wish I could be as fluent in sarcasm as this guy. Like, it's just so effortlessly cool right there but the pharisees did not agree they did not like his answer and he was kicked out of the temple and i feel like the mud spit part of the story gets so much attention that's the way i remember this story but as i was reading it i noticed there is a really beautiful important part of the story that i don't think gets enough attention in john 9:35 we have that slide Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him he said do you believe in the Son of Man who is he sir the man asked tell me so that I may believe in him and Jesus said you have now seen him in fact he's the one speaking with you Jesus came back and found this man The goodness of God, y'all. This man did the best that he could with all the information that he had been given. He got to the place where he knew that Jesus was a prophet. That was the language that he had. That was a big claim he was making there. But Jesus wanted to give this guy more, not just sight and some understanding. He wanted to give this man the chance to see the son of man with his own two eyes and to know that it was God in the flesh who had come to him, to give him not just eyesight, but also clarity. And this passage in John 9 ends with a really hard reminder from Jesus to all of us. It says that some Pharisees who were with him heard him say "Say this, and he asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. We're not faulted for our blindness, but there is this weightiness and responsibility when we claim to see. And for me, this makes me want to return to the basics of what I know. And what do I know? I know that God loves, because he is love I know that he has called me to a life of love I know that I'm going to be given everything I need in each moment even if it doesn't feel like it at the time and I know that when we ask him for discernment he's not going to try to trick us or slip us up In Psalms it says that he will not let our foot slip he is so on guard with us that he does not sleep in the day or the night he is watching us always and i know interesting happens tell him pay attention so that's what I'm going to say to all of us right now that was interesting pay attention what's God doing right here right now my loves his desire is for life he came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly and where he goes We can follow because we can trust him we trust that there is always abundant life wherever jesus is we're gonna pray holy spirit i'm sorry for all the times i ignore you i silence you i don't want to listen to you or follow you Lord, I pray that we have the courage to make space for you in all the areas of our life, in all the places that we even think we are certain. Lord, let us lean in with curiosity and ask, what are you up to, God, in this moment? What might you be doing now? Think of the words um, from St. Francis of Assisi. At the end of his life, he said that, the Lord has shown me what is mine. And may he show you what is yours to do. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, we go into this week, that you will show us what is our work to do, and that we will do it with courage and with grace, knowing that you are going to give us everything we need. Amen.
2: Pastor Mary, I would like to ask you to stay up here. Okay. Thank you so much for your word. The lights turned off, but we can still see. Dang, I'm inspired. I'm fired up to step into discernment and the, to, to learn to discern more, so thank you. And more so, thank you for being you in our community. Um, I wanna say something. We're, we're about to st- jump into an ordination ceremony, and Pastor Mary is going to be ordained this morning. Um, and yes, let's cheer, let's make noise. Uh, you. That's right. Um, uh, quick disclaimer, parents. I've 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 requested that um, that that all the kids will be brought in here for this moment. Mm. Um, I Felt like it was significant. And there we go. There we go. So just so you guys know, make room. Um, and then also after this um, this this portion of our, our gathering. Uh, there will be an opportunity for you to engage in communion, and just want to explain that real quick. We'll have the tables up here with the elements of communion up here, and really, um, in tradition, uh, we, we do this um, each week, an opportunity we offer an opportunity for us to engage with one another with Christ. And so, uh, when that time comes, you'll see the elements up here. You would come up and you would, you would take um, bitter herb. Um, and, and and eat the bitter herb in remembrance of the, the bitterness of sin and death. And really, uh, really, that's a reminder to us of the life that we've um, been saved from and brought out of um, by our good Lord. And then you would you would then proceed to um, take bread in remembrance of the life um, that Jesus lived, um, in remembrance of, of Christ, and then also uh, the the wine. Uh, the wine in remembrance of the blood that he shed for us. And so all the elements are here. I just want to make sure you, you know that there are, is both juice and wine. And so you'll see the labels up there and, and please partake however you would like. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> um, as many of you may know, Pastor Mary, or Miss Mary, has recently joined our lead team As children and family pastor, she's one of our lead pastors here, and we are very, very fortunate. Today, we have the honor and privilege of of ordaining Pastor Mary, and I want to share just a little bit about um, ordination and its function within our church before we jump in, and then also its function in the church at large. First, for a a person to be ordained within our community, they must meet a certain set of requirements. Among these are requirements for a person to believe that there is a trinity, believe in the Trinity, for that person to be a follower of Jesus and meet the scriptural requirements for an overseer that we see in the New Testament, in First Timothy, and Titus. Furthermore, a person being ordained must believe in the mission, vision, and discipleship values of Long Beach Christian Fellowship including our our beliefs and commitments concerning the work of the Holy Spirit today, that the Holy Spirit is alive and well um, here within our community. It is also of utmost importance that a candidate has evidenced the obvious calling of God upon their life. We all see this evidence. And I'm here to tell you that the Board of Elders, has found that Pastor Mary meets all requirements for ordination, and so Pastor Mary. In a moment, pastors, if, pastors, if you, guys, if I can invite you guys up, lead team, um, Pastor Emerita, <laughs> Barb, as well as the elders, um, and in a moment, the pastors are going to speak a blessing over you, Mary, um, and speak several blessings, and and then also we're all going to. Um, we're all going to lay hands and pray, and that's the most significant part of this ordination ceremony. Guys, this is an all-play moment. This is a family moment, and so um, feel free to like move about as you feel led, especially during prayer. Um, if you feel led to, to extend a hand, please do so, um, because this ordination, and uh, the affirming... Um, the way that God is setting Mary apart for ministry within our community absolutely has something to do with our entire family. Um, so we wanna invite you to also partake and this is also why we brought uh, the children in here as well. And so without further ado, I'm gonna hand the mic to Pastor Barb.
3: Good morning, LBCF. Ah, this is very exciting in so many ways. So because I'll go on, if I don't read it, I'm gonna read. Did you all know that uh, Mary worked here at LBCF many years ago when Rory and Will were littles and she worked with Cynthia Peterson who ran our preschool ministry at that time and Mary was in charge of the littlest littles. Um, And then she left us as an employee, as a staff member, not because she hadn't been the best, because she had, but because she had little ones at home and she wanted to be the best mother for all of them. She also still volunteered her time with us teaching um, our little ones on Sunday morning because, well, that's just who Mary is. She's faithful. She's full of love. and She believes it when Jesus asks the little ones to come unto him because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them and it gets to spell out over all the rest of us. And then several years ago now, we, and at the time we was JC Anderson and myself, we asked her if she would consider taking over our children's ministry, and she said no. (laughs) (laughs) Of course she said no. Um, And she told us both that she was not equipped and that God hadn't told her to do that. So we asked her, If she'd actually asked God, (laughs) she admitted that she had not. (laughs) JC and I were relentless in our asking. Um, I would even say that we were ruthless and maybe we bullied you just (laughs) a little bit. Um, Finally, Mary capitulated, not because of our asking, but because she had heard from God. But even then, she said she would do it until we found someone better. <laughs> better than she was, more qualified, I believe is the line that she used. Of course, we never did find anyone more qualified or better because no one is better or more qualified than you are, Miss Mary, Mary Dorset, Pastor Mary. Scripture in 1 John 4:19 says we love because he first loved us and how our pastor Mary does love She speaks her love She preaches it She listens her love It falls out of her eyes She does her love And we feel her love and each one of us is better because of it Pastor Mary, this new season, you've said yes. And I know that in your yes, once again, you felt that you were not qualified. And my prayer is that even in the way that you taught us this morning, that you heard clearly from God, how qualified you truly are. I've said so many times and in so many different ways, whatever we need, God's already provided. Whatever you need, and you spoke these same words in your teaching this morning, God has provided. Because Jesus is the author and finisher of Pastor Mary. And so today, along with the elders and the pastors, Danny and Ryan, you are going to lead this church, not alone, but with them. And I will call you my pastor. Love you. So now it's that time where the pastors are going to speak a blessing over Mary. And because uh, I'm still Pastor Emerita, I get to go first. So Mary, um, I want to bless you with the knowledge. The knowledge of how completely and perfectly God has made you to be you. That There's no one like you. There never will be anyone like you and the uniqueness that you are the beloved child of God that we see standing in front of this room this morning is the perfect one for this season of this church this weird little church that we all love so very much and may that sustain you in all the days.
4: Mary, I want to read uh, from the words of Jesus, since no one says it better than Jesus. In John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Mary, you have the incredible privilege to remain in the vine, in Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say that when you remain in him, love will overflow through you. And I think it's because of that that we already see evidence of that, that love is already overflowing. And to all of us, it's so obvious that you are here, that you are lead pastor, that you are Pastor Mary, because it's so evident that you remain in Jesus. And so my blessing to you is that know that Jesus, Jesus is with you, that Jesus is the one that strengthens you. And may you always know that you are connected to him, even though there are times where you will feel disconnected. The truth is that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And may you always experience just the energy, just the spirit and the grace of that reality.
5: Pastor Mary, it says that you will know a tree by its fruit and your fruit is true, noble, beautiful, lovely. All of the things that you talked about in your message you embody, not just for the children, but for all of us. And you've pastored all of us for such a long time. That this is just acknowledging what already is. That you are a strong and a full and a um, whole leader. And I pray for you that LBCF would continue to be a place that feels more like home in a way that you feel free to kick off your shoes, to try things out, to let the fire that is inside of you come out more fully, more holy, that more people would be drawn into the beautiful connecting person that you are so that they can experience the love of Jesus that flows through you.
6: Sorry. And Mary. And, And Mary, I'd like to ask you some questions that the community can witness your commitment and vows as a pastor at Long Beach Christian Fellowship Mary, do you believe that there is one triune God and that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? I do and I am. Do you believe that scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching and training? I do. Do you believe in the mission, vision, and discipleship values of Long Beach Christian Fellowship, including our beliefs and commitments concerning the work of the Holy Spirit today? I do. And do you commit to shepherding the Long Beach Christian Fellowship community and the church at large by responding in faith to the leading of the Holy Spirit and by seeking sound wisdom and discernment in all situations? I do. Then it is my honor and privilege to present to you this certificate of ordination. It reads, in recognition of her deep compassion, love of Jesus, love of his word, love of people, especially children, faithful service, gifts of teaching and leadership, the elders and pastors unanimously and wholeheartedly approve and together confer to Mary Dorset the title and honor of pastor.
0: Join me, church, as we uh, lift Mary up in prayer. God, you are so, so, so good. The way you love this community, that you provide people to shepherd, not only the little ones, but all of us. Lord, it is evident that you have placed this calling on Mary's life. It is you that have called her Pastor Mary. It is you that has chosen her, Lord. Help her to remember that she is loved and chosen by you. God, we thank you for her life and how you have been faithful. You have been carving this path for a long time. Your fingerprints are all over her. Your DNA is part of who she is. So Lord, we are honored to have her as one of our leaders, one of our pastors. And God, I thank you for making her a woman, a woman of faith and a great God who answered the call. So we lift Mary up to you this morning, Lord, knowing that this is part of your good and perfect will for her life.
2: Amen. God, with Thanksgiving just around the corner, I just wanted to say thank you for Pastor Mary. Uh, what a great season to be able to do this, to recognize her and to, uh Introduce her into the unbroken ranks of the ordained, the people who have been set aside to do your work for centuries, leading all the way back to Peter and the disciples and straight to you, God. Amen. And Father, I thank you that my two daughters got to experience you through Mary at such a young age as one of their first glimpses into your kingdom and the love that you pour out on all of us, God. I thank you for her, for her presence here because the way she touches each of us, whether it's the kids or, or us as adults, that we just all feel your presence through Mary, God. And I thank you for her and how you've given her, um, given her to us as a gift, Lord. At this church
7: father God thank you that Mary said yes thank you for Skylar her husband thank you for her family who have given so generously to this church body for so many years and have poured so much of themselves into the bedrock and the foundation of Long Beach Christian Fellowship. The timing is right, the season is right for this moment, Lord, and we are so honored and so uh, blessed by her decision to not only do this, but to also still stay with the kids, Lord. The generations that have been touched by her and will continue to be touched by her and her love and her heart, Lord, for the the kids and the people of this church, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for Mary on so many ways. Thank you for what is ahead of her father. Let her know that she is well equipped for the job in front of her thank you for this time of transition and, and what this means to this church body that we are blessed and we are honored and we are here and we are a family and we support her and love her in every way possible as she as she takes this on Lord we're here we are here and Lord just thank you thank you for what will pour for her from her into the hearts and lives of so many precious lives in our church lord who need her in ways that maybe she's not even aware father may she continue to touch each and every person here lord as you see fit you have paved the path for this moment and there's no mistake that this timing is just as it is lord as you see fit and we are grateful. Mary, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus loves you, and we love you. Amen.